Hello, welcome to another episode of the Inside Social Work podcast. In today's episode, I interview Amberly Moores, and Amberly works in the disability space in New South Wales. Uh, Amberly is on Darawal country, and I'm on Wurundjeri country, and I'd like to pay um, my respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Amberly shares with listeners some of the things that have been happening for her community over the last 15 to 18 months. There has been recovery from bushfires, COVID-19, and now currently they're battling floods. So some really almost once-in-a-lifetime events happening one after the other. And Amberly shares some of her... I guess advice and the things that have helped get her and her team through some of these difficult times really emphasizing the importance of self-care. Amberly works in disability services and has some experience um, in management and leadership in that space and she's currently completing her social work qualifications as well so another social worker to add to our lovely community. Without further ado here is my interview with Amberly. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Um, today I'm interviewing Amberly Moores. Welcome, Amberly. Hi, thank you. Uh, would you like to share with the listeners a little bit about, you know, your social work journey and where you're at now? Yeah, so currently I am a social work student at Western Sydney. I'm finishing my last two units, so I'm very excited to get out there into the workforce. But at the moment I work um for disability as a support worker currently and uh I've been in all sort of roles throughout then uh managing and also supporting staff members through hard times especially 2020. Yeah absolutely what's been your background before social work so being a student but also working in the field have there been other um yeah sort of skills and qualifications you've picked up along the way? Yeah, so I graduated high school and went on to a diploma of social science. So I completed that and got my first ever role as a support worker in the disability community. And from there, I've been in that role for four years now. And yeah, I've experienced so many things working with these guys and getting to know them and it's really um, sparked some uh, inspiration to continue work for them as a social worker and you know um, that's really my passion and I want to as a social worker continue to work in the disability community and make some changes some positive change and just yeah, be there for them, you know. It's very, how I say it, Um, I'm so lucky, I guess, to have found my passion so early on um, in my life. It feels like it was almost destiny to just be um, given an opportunity to work in the community and... um, just really getting involved in that and realising that I have so much potential to make great positive changes to people's lives. And I think that's what's 
being a social worker is all about. You want to make those great changes and, yeah, be there for them and um, impact people's lives, you know. Mm. That sounds really great that you found what your interest is so early on. Can you share with yeah. um, with listeners what are some of the misconceptions um, around working in disability? Was there anything that came as a surprise to you or when you talk with others that um, you hear comments that surprise you about how it's seen as a career path or an area to work in? Absolutely. I think... Um... It can be very daunting working in a role where you are very responsible for other people. Um, and it's still a very developing area. We have, we've had the NDIS for some time now and we're still working on it. We're still getting it up to speed and all that. And we are still trying to get quality support workers and um, people into the roles with them. So I think um, it can either be very challenging or very worthwhile being in this kind of role and working in this kind of area. It's um, also very challenging as a person who cares for people in the disability community to be their advocate and be their voice. Sometimes often they might not even have a voice. I work for a lot of people that um, are nonverbal and sometimes you have to be that one to stand up, advocate for them and get them to um, where they need to be or help them to achieve their goals. It can be challenging um being relied upon like that and having that sort of pressure and all that and fighting stigmas or fighting um whatever may come their way on their behalf but sometimes you just got to do that right so yeah yeah and I hear what you're saying about the advocacy being a large part of that work mm-hmm what are some of the other things like I know um, it's such a broad term disability it can incorporate so many different um, physical differences intellectual differences within that though as a social worker you're using so many other skills pardon Mm -hmm. I know personally when I worked in that space it overlaps with mental health with systems with family work with um, developmental theory like there are so many other things happening and tools Mm -hmm. and and frameworks that you're pulling in could you share a little bit about your experience and some of the other things that you're I guess leaning on or researching or reading and and the tools you're bringing into disability work absolutely there's a lot of intersectionality in this area you might have a disability but you might also be a woman you might have other things going on in your life that could even make it harder for you um, to get to where you want to be or be supported in some cases. Um, There's also a wide range of disabilities. Um, I care for people who need much higher supports um, and it can be... um, 
you know, uh, you got to look for the resources that are currently out there and look at strength-based approaches and really person-centered ways to support people, uh, especially over the recent times with uh, bushfires and COVID-19, you have to find ways to support them, skill build, um, help them in their way to understand what's going on in the world, um, especially when they might not have that um, you know, ability to do that for themselves. Uh, uh, as I said, I work for a lot of people that are much higher supports, um, people who are nonverbal, suffer from epilepsy, um, sometimes uh, elderly or bedbound. It can be quite challenging to go through those kind of situations and still um, use those social work frameworks and um, techniques and all that stuff uh, and deliver quality support when it's so can be so stressful sometimes for yourself. So uh, I think it's really important to keep researching and looking what's out there, what's current, um, what kind of supports that we can have with our own mental health, but also their own mental health. How can we be more trained in delivering services um, that can help with their mental health, um, especially when it's really hard to gain that access. I know with COVID-19, it's been a super stressful time for people in the community not being able to go out, um, finding it harder to gain supports and uh, lots of many other things. But it's also been very difficult to get that mental health support, um, especially when sometimes it can only be delivered through um, telehealth or um, WebEx, you know. It can be uh, more barriers, you know, when there's already so much already. Yeah, I mean, you've covered so many things. You've, you've really spoken about that intersectionality, which I think can often be overlooked, that you can have yeah. a physical disability and there could be a dual diagnosis with something else. There could be trauma. There could be, mm-hmm. um, you know, gender, race, sexuality. There are other um, parts of people that sometimes get overlooked yeah. under the umbrella of disability. And I really it was hearing what you were saying about the high support needs. And I think that makes it really hard when through COVID, our mental health services were talking therapies via telehealth or video or something like that and Mm -hmm. often there's loneliness and lack of community engagement and COVID really exacerbated some of those things so it must have been incredibly difficult to be in that space. it was really hard and uh, I was uh, working at that time as a senior support worker so I was also looking after our staff at the house but also our participants and just getting the news that we couldn't take them out when going out into the community is such a big part of their lives it 
it was heartbreaking. But you know what? It made us more powerful and we looked for ways to find engagement opportunities to do from home. Um, we are there, you know, circle of security and we're their support workers. So we can be there for them um, almost like a family. So we'll continue to find ways and uh, resource to ability. Um, but yeah, it really took a big hit this year. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned um, a couple of times you're looking after yourself and the staff and looking after themselves and their own self-care. What are some of the things that kept you going and kept your staff um, working through those really challenging circumstances that were even more challenging during the lockdown that we experienced last year? I think as a team, we all discovered how good it is to talk to each other um, and connect, even though it might, you know, seem a bit silly or we learned how to communicate better, but we really did. We learned how to communicate better and be there for each other. And coming into 2021, we're such an awesome, powerful team. Um, working for these guys that we truly care about. Um, we have such a stronger connection with them and with each other. And I think because I also completed field education too last year, <laughs> discovering techniques on self-care and breathing and taking time for yourself really helps. And, you know, you can share that information with your staff. You can share that information with the people that you support. How have you found it beneficial to go for a run in the morning or do something for yourself? You spread that positivity um, even just at the moment we're making breakfast in the morning at 6 6 a.m we're sharing recipes like overnight oats and chia puddings and all that so <laughs> it's the little things really that you can do to look after each other and look after ourselves sounds like um i just i, I heard the 6 a.m and i was like oh God, no mm -hmm. <laughs> can't do that yeah um <laughs> Look, and, and I, I hear the, the positivity and the um, resilience in what you're saying. And, and I think it's really hard to be leading a team and put on a brave face because it sometimes that it was really, it wasn't good and it was okay not to feel okay. And I think um, we can't ignore that and dismiss that just by saying, well, we've come through it now and we're at the other end because it was really, really rough. It was, yeah. And with the recent floodings as well, it's like we're experiencing that somewhat pain again. Like it's really sparked a bit of a, oh, no, here it comes. What what can we do? But we're very lucky, especially where I am, that it hasn't hit as hard. Uh, but unfortunately, there probably are a lot of people and a lot of carers um, throughout the state that have had to go through this crisis situation again and have had to put on such a brave, strong face to be like, right, we can do this. 
let's do we've done it a few times already we can do this one more time and I think that's just a big part of life as well and a big part of our spirit um, is that we might come across a situation that is completely outside of our control and we can just be like yeah let's get through this one more time and yeah it's really empowering it's really empowering to be in this community at the moment um and working for uh, my team so um so just glad to be here for them and involved so yeah um so for those listening who don't know what's been happening around um around Australia could you share with with listeners where you're located and what's been happening so you mentioned uh floods Mm -hmm. could you kind of just share with others what that's been like and where you're located and all of that yeah so I'm located in southwest Sydney um and often do some work out in Tamore Way at the start of this year oh sorry start of last year seems like 2021 uh 2020 is rolling on for ages wow <laughs> totally I'm even confusing <laughs> myself <laughs> yeah so the start of last year unfortunately we experienced black summer and uh it out that way picked an area just it was devastating you know there was a lot of parts of New South Wales that were far more devastated but it really came close to this is really scary unfortunately it's also where we lost a few firefighters out that way and uh, I just remember that day and it's so emotional because the smoke and the sirens constantly going off you know so that was quite scary at the start of last year. And to also, at the time I was a manager, uh, help evacuate. I was acting manager at the time and we had to actually evacuate some residential homes. Um, so that was scary and tough, but we got through it. And then March, <laughs> we had COVID that's when it sort of reached Australia and started hitting hard. We had lockdowns um, where the roads were literally no cars on it. Um, Usually getting up at 6am in the morning to work, you would see on the weekdays, a lot of cars around, a lot of trucks going around, but it was so apocalyptic vibes (laughs) that there was no one on the roads. And no one leaving the house, but it was so surreal as well because I'm still going to their their homes and I'm still supporting them. I'm still seeing my staff. Very lucky to still have a job during that time. Um, but it was also so surreal and also um, heartbreaking to not be able to do the things that we usually do with the um, guys that we support during that time. Um, and later on in the year, um, I joined as a part of the rapid response team. So I actually dealt, um, with the positive case, you know, supporting that person who has a disability, who has been told 
by the government that they need to isolate um, for four weeks. And that was just such a challenging time. And we had such an um, amazing team in that rapid response team to actually power through that um, and give such critical support during that crisis time for them. Um, I will never forget that two weeks of working nonstop with five other people to um, get them through that isolation period. Um, so, yeah, and now recently we've had the floods and that's really devastated the Port Macquarie area, which is heaps far away from us, but also locally um, out near Windsor um, and the Camden area, which is very close to me. So um, Picton was evac evacuated again and uh, a lot of my co-workers and all that have experienced the floods and um, actually haven't been able to leave the house, you know, because of it. So it's been some really crazy times um, and a lot of times where we're like, wow, we, we don't have control. <laughs> but what do we have control of? What can we do about this situation? How can we make it better for ourselves and the people we're with and the people we're supporting, you know? What can we do to make the best out of this chaotic um, experience? What it feels like is just so chaotic and like unfortunate how can we make that a positive experience instead mm, I, yeah that's such a incredible journey I mean 15 months of two natural disasters and a worldwide pandemic is really yeah. exhausting um, yeah there, there it's no, really took a lot there are no silver mm -hmm. linings there are no at least it's it's just, it's awful. Yeah. And it, it's like hit after hit, you know, and it's definitely made us stronger because, well, with the floods, we're just like, all right, what's next? <laughs> what's going to happen next? But hopefully, and hopefully the universe is on our side as well, that we'll have some more calmer waters and, you know, mellow times ahead of us um, because we have been through a lot. I think not just our community, but all communities, the whole of society, you know, has been through a lot. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, knowing that there's, it's still ongoing and there's still things happening and it's in our careers, it's an ongoing challenge to balance what's happening in the community and our own well-being and mm -hmm. you know are there any tools or resources or experiences that you can share or recommend to others listening that might feel like they want to add some more tools to their sort of self-care toolbox absolutely you know um you got to look after yourself um as much as as social workers and as carers uh we want to put others first it's super important to look after ourselves because if we're not looking after ourselves, who's going to look after them? You know, we got to be sure that 
we're taking the time to do things that we enjoy. Um, even though a lot of resources have gone online for COVID, they're coming back into person now. Make the most of going out and seeing people, um, but also do it safely, of course. But that person-to-person contact is super important. Making sure that you have your own circle of security and people to talk to um, because you don't want to isolate yourself. I know there's a lot of great online um, counselling or things that we can do as professionals uh, to seek help. Um, but oftentimes it's your own self-care and your own strategies that you can implement um, to just make some days a lot easier. So taking the time to breathe, doing some meditations, um, just um, reading a book or doing something you enjoy can make a world of difference because sometimes you're pouring so much energy out into the world that you're not taking the time to give it back to yourself. So, yeah, I, you know, I think (laughs) as social workers, we talk about self-care so much, but sometimes we forget to do it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And Mm. it's, um, it's easy to kind of, think be grateful for what you've got and especially during COVID it's like we're lucky to have a job lucky to have this and push through um to the point of exhaustion because our bodies hold that stress and it shows up somewhere else exactly yeah you gotta you gotta take care of yourself at the end of the day you are the most important person um so yeah I to anyone listening if you're struggling or if you feel stressed just take some time to breathe and do the things that you love because you're going to be such a better person for others if you look after yourself and they're gonna love you for that as well if you look after yourself excellent any other sort of last um sort of final things you want to share with the audience and listeners Yeah, um, today is a pretty important day as well. We're talking on the 26th of March and it's um, actually uh, Purple Day. So it's the global initiative to uh, provide, uh, you know, awareness to people who have epilepsy. Um, And I work for a lot of people at the moment who do have epilepsy and it's just such a big part of their life I think it's super important to raise this sort of awareness because um, sometimes it goes unnoticed you know these sort of days like International Disability Day these days are so important to get involved and just to do some reading they're great reminders to um to be aware of what people might be going through. And epilepsy is such a insane thing to have as a part of a disability, because a lot of people with a disability oftentimes have epilepsy too. And it can be super um, hard to go day to day living with that and, um, also living with a disability. So, yeah, um, I encourage people to 
do a little bit of reading today about epilepsy and getting to know um, about seizures, how to support someone who might have epilepsy. Um, and yeah, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. It's been a really lovely conversation and to hear the all the social work things coming through in, you know, as you're on the edge of graduating by the sounds of it. Yeah. And, and under incredibly difficult circumstances. Yeah. So much. I look forward to continuing to work in the community. And thank you so much for talking to me today about all the things. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Subscribe and review us wherever it is you get your podcasts.